It's a Thursday edition of Canuck Central. Satyar Shah with Vic Nazar in for Dan Riccio today. Coming to you from the Kintech studio, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? A big show coming up today. We have Colby Armstrong joining us in just a moment. Uh, we'll be chatting about everything to do with the Canucks and what's happening around the National Hockey League. And uh, you can get in touch with us on the Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650 as we continue the conversation here um, around the Vancouver Canucks. And this hour of Canucks Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for smart demonstration. Uh, we'll get to more of your thoughts and we'll dissect what's happening with the Canucks a bit deeper. The next segment, the pregame show is coming up a bit later as well. But let's bring in our guest, one of our favorites, our good friend, Colby Armstrong. Colby, um, I-, I don't know if it's too late to say Happy New Year, but Happy New Year. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing good. Good to hear your guys' voices, man. I haven't talked to you guys in a while. Awesome to be on with you guys. Big tilt tonight. Knucks are rolling. The Canucks are rolling, man. Team hasn't been good. Pretty good. You, like you, you have been a Canucks champion for a couple of years here. The mm-hmm. team hasn't been good. That's why we haven't chatted to you in a while. Well, and I still get beat up by your fans all the time <laughs> on social media. I worked Monday night, the Canucks Rangers game, and I'm complimenting and say I'm still getting beat up. Like, come on, Canucks fans. I've been beating the Canuck chum for a long time. Oh, I know. Hey, come on. I know. Hey, listen. Now, we, we know, Colby, we'll do our best to, to get the word out there. Uh, yeah, you're one of the them best. Out. Well, we will. We'll, <laughs> now, there was also, uh, you know, we won't, we'll get to this maybe a bit later. There's also the Elias Pettersson thing. And you didn't say anything. You were just saying why. <laughs> I didn't do anything. No, you didn't do anything. I didn't even there. know. I know. You didn't know. So we'll talk about that coming up in a bit, just bit later. Just innocent bystander, Colby, right? Just, just, <laughs> yeah, just hanging out just there. Hanging in out. there. Listen, sometimes your co hosts say stuff. You got to react. What are you going to do, right? Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned Canucks and Pens, a big game coming up. I mean, I don't think any of us expected the Canucks to be sitting here on pace for 114 points. But when we look at the matchup between these two teams, like what comes to mind first for you? Well, I just think I, I think with the way the Pens want to play and watching the Canucks and the way they play, I think it's going to be fast, right? I think I, I think it's going to be lots of chances both ways. Uh, I think the interesting thing about the Canucks is their ability to score one off the rush and create and how good their top line's going, um, and also how they can play in the offensive zone with their D being involved and, and very active and creating from low to high. So they've got a lot of weapons. And I, I think the one thing that's cool about both these teams, well, right now for the Penguins anyways, in the last handful of games, is their depth is starting to get some production. And that was something that killed them last year. And, and now it's just kind of starting to heat up for them. And I know the Canucks' depth has been – a massive bright shining spot for them with a lot of guys chipping in at different times and, and, and lines contributing and, you know, all through the lineup. So, you know, I'm expecting, I'm expecting this to be a pretty, pretty darn good game. And, and much like the last few games for the Canucks, right? Like they've been rolling and back-to-back wins against the Rangers and Islanders. And now here against the Pens who, whose game has started to round out because of the depth has been playing a lot better. So it should be, it should be a really good game tonight, I think. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that. It's something I wanted to ask, just like why it wasn't working earlier in the season and why it's you know improved here recently. Because it's not as if some of the other you know running mates that you traditionally see, like Malkin, is you know near a point a game and he's even. He's not dash twelve like he was last year. It's it's been a renaissance yeah. year from him, and it, so it, so it is finally the the depth catching up to the the big dogs on the team. Yeah, a little bit, and they you know what they've hit some snags. Like Sid and his line have been playing unbelievable. Uh, Russ was out with injury and Raquel was injured and, you know, he couldn't score to start the year. He's starting to produce like crazy right now. So he's back 
um, on it on that top line. And Sid's just, Sid and Jake or Gensel are doing their thing, which is amazing how hard they've carried this team for the most part this season. Gino out of the gates, him and Smith were electric and, and getting tons done, producing like crazy. And then they just went quiet out of nowhere. And Gino still managed to produce. But Smith, for some reason, who's a really good player, just hasn't been able to. So they've been like flopping lines around with injuries. They just got Russ back a few days ago, which is huge. He's playing with Gino down on that second line. Um, and then the emergence of Drew O'Connor, who's played up and down the lineup completely this season. For him to kind of get moved up now and play with Malkin and Smith down to the third line with Eller is maybe giving them a little bit better balance. And I think works for everyone because of O'Connor's straight line game. And now his ability, because the game's kind of slowed down for him to, to make things happen. So um, I, I don't know. They've been, they've been flopping it around and, and maybe they're finding something that works right now uh, with the depth. But it, it, as of late, it's been better than it's been in the last year and a half. We hear a name that gets popped up a lot, and it's it's Jay Gensel, right? He's in the rumor mill constantly. And I, I've always just wondered, right, because this is a team that went out and got Eric Carlson. Like, they're clearly still committed to this group. How like how many points do they have to be away from the playoff line where it's conceivable that they could sell? Yeah. Right? Because that's yeah. the thing. Like, they're one point out right now. I feel like with Sid and Malkin and, and how dedicated they are to the core, it just feels to me like if, unless they're, like, eight points out from the, the, the line – I what's the motivation to want to move someone? Yeah, I know. And it's, uh, to be honest with you around Pittsburgh, it's been pretty quiet on the Jake Gensel uh, front. Like there hasn't been too much chatter about what's going to happen with him or, or when they're going to get a deal done or what they're looking to do or what maybe the direction is. And maybe it's just because it's so tight right now in the Metro and so tight in the East um, in the, for the playoff picture as we are just in the middle of the season and, and what could happen. But Jake's just producing like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably the most, quiet star in the league for for scoring like he's a he's a 40 he's at least a 40 goal guy and you know with the chemistry he has with Sid on that top line is is you know untouchable right now so um what's going to happen here what's going to happen with his deal you know what does I know you guys are dealing with Pedersen too which I'm sure we'll get into but um you know with the William Nylander contract and you know Jake's a winger and he's a uh, producing winger that plays on the top line that does it fairly quietly. But if you look at the numbers, you know, you take out power play numbers because their power play has been stinky this year for the most part in Pittsburgh. It's starting to kind of figure itself out here of late, but um, you know, their numbers are pretty, you know, pretty similar to a certain, you know, respect when you look at Nylander and, and Gensel five on five or even strength. And um, yeah, he's a guy that gets it done. So what that number going to be, I don't know. And, And what are the decisions for Dubas and company going to be? Moving forward, what's the cutoff? Uh, what do you see? Um, I got to think that kind of what, what they did, to your point, this summer, you know, getting Smith at the draft, um, you know, acquiring uh, a lot of depth uh, free agents and, and picking up guys on waivers and what have you. He's just really busy in the offseason and kind of stocking the cupboards with some depth and then getting Carlson. I, that's that's a sign that like, Hey, we're, we got this core, we got these guys. There's no reason why we can't keep going for it. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that Gensel's a part of that picture. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that looking at it from the outside, I'd be surprised too, based on everything you kind of mentioned about where the penguin penguins are at, but we'll see ultimately what happens by the deadline. Now, as far as the Canucks are concerned, like I mentioned off the top, I don't think anybody expected them to be this good. You said, uh, you, you mentioned uh, talking about them over the Rangers game. They were even more impressive against the Islanders the next night, uh, easily breezing past them. 
what type of tier have they put themselves in the league for you? There's a discussion now here about are they a cup contender? Can you look at them as, as being a team that can truly vie for the Stanley Cup? Like, How do you view the high end of this team right now? Well, there's the, they're the Vancouver Penguins. I mean, look at all the guys you have. Yeah. Look at all the guys you took from Pittsburgh. It's like your whole team, right? <laughs> there's, a, there's a few. There's like five or six. It's pretty amazing. And then, uh, you know, the GMs and, you know, Talk and Gonchar and Mike Yo was here. So you got, like, everybody. But, um, yeah, I think with the way they're built and their depth, and then I think – I honestly think with the – what, you know, the mentality has been in there and the culture that's been – cultivated in there um with the top players leading the charge obviously uh everyone kind of falls into place with that and you can see how it's working through the lineup um dakota joshua has been amazing what he's what he's turned into for this team um you know guys through the depths and teddy bluger's another guy uh that's been so good in garland's chemistry with on the dakota line they've just been really really good so um are they a contender yeah they have to be a contender when you look at everything that they have and where they are they got scoring they can check. They all check. Even their best players check. Uh, they got big, stout D that block shots and kill penalties and can, um, you know, uh, handle matchups. They can skate. They can contribute offensively. They got a goaltender that's a monster in there as well with Thatcher Demko. Uh, and Casey Smith's a pretty darn good backup. So I, I think they've got all the pieces in there. How do you, how do you enhance that? Uh, what what are you looking for in regards to certain areas of their of their lineup to round it out and, and really punch it and put it over the top? I don't know. Rutherford always seems to you know, when he was in Pittsburgh, man, he always got it. He always got it done. He always made something happen mm-hmm. um, in in doing so. So you know, is this going to be the lineup? Is there going to be something else that happens to enhance the lineup? I got to think uh, Jim Rutherford will have a trick up his sleeve just from his track record. But uh, they've got right now they've they've seen to have kind of all the pieces in place that are clicking mm-hmm. to make them look like a pretty, you know, pretty good roster to go for something right now, at least in the West for sure. And if you look at the East, they're, they're running through right now with the way they're playing and playing some darn good hockey. Well, you mentioned the checking part and we'll get to some of the trade stuff in a moment, but their best players also check. And there's been a big conversation around Andre Kuzmenko and how he, the coach needs him to forecheck, especially when he's a first forward in and, and he has some non-negotiables and that's why he's been healthy scratch five times. Yep. Can you win in the playoffs if, if your top players don't check? I don't, I don't think if your top players aren't going and, and I mean, Kuzmenko may be a one-off like, you know, for example, and this is years ago, but the Penguins had that HBK line and mm-hmm. I wouldn't say Kessel didn't back check or didn't play defense, but you know, they had other, they had Benino, they had Hagelin, guys that, you know, can do that stuff. So, you know, is it is it too much in the way that Kuzmenko's doing or are they just trying to hard on him because it's early right now and maybe they can convince him, you know, his game to come around. And, you know, I think that's that's a tactic that could be used with him because he, he's a pretty good player, right? And, and I think could be really valuable if he can round his game out to, you know, fit in with the plan of the way they're playing. And, you know, maybe this is just some hard knocks for him right now and saying, hey, we need this to be better. If you're not understanding, this is how it is. And um, I think, you know, having Rick Talkett and the coaching staff, you guys have pretty communicative with the guys, black and white, and also treating them just like guys too. So it's um, it's, it's a situation where I, I, I think if it's, you know, one guy, I think you'd be okay. But I think with the way that they have, you know, Pedersen's game, you know, Swedes generally are, are really – good two-way players and pretty defensively conscious as well as their offensive game. 
but you you got to have your big boys carrying the load at both ends, and and that's playoff hockey, really. So for a guy like Kuzmenko, uh, Kuzmenko, it's it's important for him to kind of buy in and find that game with the rest of the guys. On Tockett, like it, it's not even been eighty two games here uh, that that he's been in Vancouver, not even a full calendar year. And you mentioned like the connection; it's very obvious to a lot of people inside the market, and certainly to you outside the market. Like when you had a coach like that, uh, and, and and it flips so quickly. Uh, what are you thinking as a player? Well, I, I just think he, I think like I've, I've talked to, you know, Rick Tockett casually at, you know, just as, as a guy, not at the rink. And he just has a way about him of talking to people like real, and he might push back and he has thoughts and he has his own hockey thoughts. Like we've seen him on TNT and doing TV as well. And, you know, he's pretty firm with his thoughts, but he's okay to have a discussion. So I think, you know, when he's dealing with players, I think that's like a massive bonus because he doesn't, He's not like talking and down to you in a different way. He's talking to you like a man and he's hearing you out and, and he has a way of, of communicating and just breaking it down with his players, just like a, like, like he would, he has a really disarming way of talking to people. And I think that's important. I think, you know, getting his message across and getting, you know, kind of what his flavor is and how he wants certain guys to play and what he needs out of them is, is probably communicated in a really understandable, easy way that, um, you know, is supportive of the player too. Just it's just the way he is. I don't think he's doing anything differently than just being himself. So, I think it's pretty impressive. I think it's amazing what he's done in a short amount of time and coming in there, um, and the players seeing kind of his vision of what they could look like and what they could be. And you know, talks a lifer, man. He he loves the game. He thinks about the game. He talks about the game all the time. And um, he's he's found success. And I think it's just because of the way he is and getting players to buy in. Uh, and the- you know, the the Canucks have done that. Uh, for the past couple of games, we've maybe seen the best version of Hughes and Ronick uh, playing together. Yeah. You were a winger; you would have been on the forecheck. Uh, how much would you would you have hated uh, trying to chase these guys on a forecheck? I hate it. I, I would hate it more so in the offensive zone when they're crisscrossing up top, and the way they move together and their way their brains are synced to read off each other and do that, and to be a winger and kind of have those checkoffs and mm-hmm. handle their skating and their speed and um, creativity together. Um, it's it's crazy and. You know, Quinn can Quinn can suck you in and, and pull guys around when you're trying to forecheck and hang on to pucks um, and open up, you know, outlets for other guys. It's crazy what he can do in, 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 in lugging pucks and hanging on to them to, to, to make you kind of chase. So these, those two have been an amazing combo together with what they're able to do, not only defensively with their game, but I think offensively as well, they're a handful for any team trying to check them. If I was a winger out there, I'd lose my mind out there with those guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it does look like hell trying to track a, a player like Quinn Hughes. Uh, you mentioned a bit earlier, Jim Rutherford, you wouldn't be surprised that he would be up to something. He doesn't like to sit idly by, and when you have an opportunity like this with the way the Canucks are playing, I think the question just comes down to Colby. How far do you think he's willing to go in terms of trading assets to get better? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. He's not afraid to do that. And when he thinks that it's on, you know, what he did here in Pittsburgh, when it was on, when he had teams, he was he was fine with looking at it. Is this working or is it not working and moving on? Even it, it didn't matter. So um, he's not afraid to, you know, take some risks, take some chances. And, like, he's a gunslinger, man. Like, he'll just pull the trigger when he least expect it to. He was always making things happen, trying to better the team. Um, and I think if he thinks the team's good enough and the team proves that they're good enough, He's willing to, you know, be pretty proactive and, and go after guys and, um, and and try to find guys. And, and you know what? He's he's just as quick too, 
if he goes after a guy and gets it, he comes in, he's not working to, to, to make a move on it again right away. Like it's a, it, it was amazing what he was doing here in Pittsburgh. So, um, yeah, he look he he's he looks at it. He's proactive. He's not afraid to pull the trigger. He'll go and do anything to make the teams better. And uh, depending on what it costs, I think he's 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 pretty crafty and savvy and smart at, at being you know risky with the right pieces as well. So um, yeah, I've always I, I I loved when he was in the Pittsburgh market. And he was here. The one good thing about him is it was never there was never a dull moment um, with the way he ran the team because. He would he wouldn't sit idly by and just kind of wait. At least it didn't seem like that. He was he was pretty um, he was pretty excited to make his teams contenders and make his teams good. And I think he probably brings that with him to Vancouver uh, with Patrick Alvine running the show with advice from Jim on how to how to create and make things um, and create a team. So they they got a they got a good group of guys there. Yeah, Alvin has not been afraid to pull the trigger. Uh, now, no, we were joking off the top uh, about the Elias Pettersson thing. And, and this year, you know, one of the things, w- you know, we've been talking about here is this team's playing well, but Elias Pettersson has not yet signed. And uh, your co-host on, on Spit and Chicklets, yeah. uh, Matt Morelli, mentioned that, you know, maybe he wants to go to Chicago. And, and obviously, that was, there was a lot of buzz about that a, a couple of weeks back. Like, what's your sense when you watch Elias Pettersson in terms of where his mind is at? Like, do, do you think like, he'll end up being in Vancouver eventually or do you think there's something actually there about him having his sights on going elsewhere yeah like I don't know where Merle's got that from and I was just as surprised as everyone else when I heard it Mm -hmm. but I don't know what he's hearing or who he's talking to let's remember he lives Merle's lives in Sweden you know so maybe his ears on the ground is something else or maybe he's hearing some things over there um but uh, for me being a fairly quieter guy in general is my read on Pedersen Mm -hmm. um but to see the success he's having, the way he's playing, and the way he's grown as a player also, um, as a star player and a leader on that team, has been pretty impressive. So for me to see it, like my reaction when he said that was like, no. I said, no. I can't. You see, think he really is going to leave there? I can't see it. So, you know, that's that's my stance on it. I can't see it. Um, I would think he's a player that obviously they covet, that they think, um, you know, is a big part of their team, and he has been, obviously. So, um obviously a big topic when any guys like that are in, in conversation and contracts are up and discussions start. He's obviously an RFA. So there'd be a lot of hoops to jump through if something did happen. But um, I see him as a Vancouver Canuck. But I'll, I'll, I'll steal your quote from that uh, clip. What a rumor. What a rumor, what a, man. What a rumor. <laughs> People are texting in Colby. People are texting in Hey, we're going to chirp you regardless, but it's all love. That's from the Canucks fans texting in right now. <laughs> yeah. All right, I appreciate that. I can handle that. What a rumor. What a clip. I don't know what Merle's <laughs> hearing. I don't know what he's hearing, but yeah. he heard something, so yeah, I mean, it, it was it was really funny, honestly, just seeing the reaction from people. We know what it's like on, on social media. Uh, before we let you go, uh, Corey Perry, uh, word comes down. Uh, Elliot Friedman reported that uh, teams are free to sign Corey Perry. Uh, what's your take on on Corey, and, and if he can rejoin, do you think he's a guy at this stage that can really help somebody down the stretch? Oh, I think he could help somebody, yeah, for what price. I think he'd obviously be like league minimum, right, mm-hmm. and come in on a one-year thing. Um, and I think there's still game with him there and, and what he can provide because he's so unique, right? He's good down low. He's good around the nets. He's a physical, pesky player. Um, he kind of has the intangibles to elevate and complement certain things, whether it be a power play or certain lines. So he has, I think he has, has lots to give. Now, if a team wants to take him, and I'd imagine there'd be a little bit of a headache around it a little bit. So it's just whether you're willing to 
kind of weigh the risks, but there's no question. I, I look at him, if he's eligible to come back and play like they announced, um, there's got to be some teams out there that look and, and see what he can provide to their lineup and, and how he can fit. So I, I imagine there'll be some teams looking at him and wondering if he can, if he can fit in their lineup. Hey, Colby, we always appreciate your time, man. Great insight as always. And uh, hopefully have some more good chats about the Canucks having continued success. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Good hearing you guys. And yes, it is a little too late, but I'll say it. Happy New Year to you guys. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Thanks. Uh, that is Colby Armstrong. Uh, you can check him out on Spit and Chicklist, but he's also on TNT from time to time. And the guy's, guy's everywhere. Yeah, one of the more talented. See him on Sportsnet. Uh, yeah. Fun analysts around. And, you know, on on the topic of uh, Corey Perry, because I I've seen people mention this, and especially yesterday, mm-hmm. a lot of people were texting in, and we, we we didn't really dig into it too much. My take on Corey Perry has always been like, I'd love to have a player that can do the things he can do on your team, right? The thing is, what actually happened? Now mm-hmm. the league has reinstated him. Now does that does that mean uh, everybody should be okay with your team signing him? We don't know enough. Like we just don't, right? I don't know if something toxic enough happened that would make it very difficult for him to succeed in a hockey market like Canada in Vancouver and Canada, mm-hmm. where there's going to be a lot of discussion around it. And like he, Colby said, is going to be worth the headache. I don't know what the headache's going to be because we don't know enough details, but if, if, if the headaches didn't exist or if the headaches would be minor, I'd be all for signing a player like him to a league minimum contract. It's just, is it actually worth the risk of doing so considering how much chemistry this team has and whether there's something that would be a distraction that's not worth it. Yeah, look, when we talk about player acquisitions, the question is always, okay, how does this guy fit in playing styles and all this? Yeah, You make a signing like this, and again, pending all information, uh, it, it's, it, you make a signing like this, it just raises more questions of, okay, what happened? Yeah. Why are you okay with it? Well, to what extent is it? And it, it It's another thing that you have to hurdle on top of, hey, we got a game tonight and we got to beat this team tonight. Yeah. And and they've done everything they can to remove distractions this year. Yeah. And so, again, like, the, the player on the ice, no one's going to question the credentials of Corey Perry yeah. on the ice. But as far as does it make sense for what this group is right now, Again, like pending what happened, it, it's 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 a thing, right? It's, it's like it's funny because what do you like if, if if you can explain it and and stand on your, on your two feet and be like we're okay with this because of this, and he's got value to us as a team. Yeah, you can do that, but when when you don't know the full extent of everything that happened, it's it's really difficult. Well, that's that's where I'm at. I don't know enough to to give a a good comment on it, except to say this: if there was no issues around Corey Perry, and he was with Chicago right now, and he was available for. Trade, 50% retained, yeah. I'd be interested. That'd be a lot of money, but yeah. Two, yeah, $2 million. I'm just yeah. saying, it's, it's $2 million on your camp. Like, But for a playoff team, I'd be interested in that. Mm-hmm. But given the situation now, we don't know enough, and that's where it's kind of a bit murky around him. But certainly a type of player that could uh, help put your squad over the top. And uh, on the Elias Patterson thing, I mean, I don't think we have to spend too much time on it, but um, it's just until Patterson signs... Ultimately, it exists. Th- th- that exists, and if rumors come up, then you know it's, people and are going to be you know turning their heads and wondering what's going on. I said it that day, like whether or not you want to believe the rumor or not, it now exists, mm-hmm. right? It's it's out there, okay, and it's not so scandalous and ridiculous. We're just talking trade here, but the, the full part of that that report was like, hey, teaming up with Nylander. 
Oh, yeah, Nylander. What happened with him? So <laughs> half of that is done, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not trying to go out of my way to discredit it. No, no, but, but I'm saying like, he's, he's gone, yeah. Part of that is that whole conversation. Like, that's... So what's the draw now? Yeah. Now, now, Bedard is a huge draw. But, Amazing draw. But not a winning team. How quickly quickly are you, are you going to win? So And I, I, I think I was talking about this with Izzy because we were on the uh, show that day because it came out late December. If Elias Pettersson were to go to Chicago, wouldn't we view it just like as as sports fans as Bedard's team? Yeah. Or and they go win a cup. Like it wouldn't feel organic, right? Yeah. Whereas here, it's like, yeah, okay, it's Pedersen and Hughes. You're, you're it, it's symbiotic. You're doing it together. Yeah. But you go latch yourself on to, like if we're, if we're talking legacy. Yeah. And Elias Pedersen has referenced legacy in that uh, piece with Elliot. Yeah. The, the, the on the water and the boat ride on the boat. He referenced like legacy. Yeah. So if you're thinking about legacy and you do the thing of, well, I'll, I'll go link up with another superstar. You can go win and everything, and it, it'd be a huge accomplishment. But in that scenario, it's like that we. I think I feel like we'd refer to it as Bedard's. Yeah, hundred percent more than we would. Pedersen's so cup. it's just look through the logic, and now the logic makes even less sense. Like you mentioned with No Wheelie Nylander. Uh a lot of reaction on the text inbox six fifty six fifty Dunbar Lumber. Um, Love for Corey Perry, Colin and Caribou. I take Corey Perry on the Canucks. This one says, bring him to Vancouver. Who cares about what happened? That that was the past. The league says he's good. Then why shouldn't Vancouver go for it? So that's part of Like, the league has now reinstated Corey Perry. It exists. But I, I think it's okay. Like, again, I'd be fine signing him. Mm-hmm. But I think it's okay to demand more information on what happened. For sure. And this one says, if a team gets a real story on Perry and they sign him, are they obli- obli- obligated to tell the fans? No, they're not obligated to tell the fans. No. But I, I think it's okay for the fans to demand to want to know. Yeah, some fans, some don't care. Some. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, you can't, you, we, we can't, and I'm not saying this to you, but in general, like, we can't always say, like, oh, the fans, not all fans think alike. Sure. But a lot of fans would. Some wouldn't care. But it would be a topic of conversation. So the question is, how much does the team, would the team care about a distraction, if, if at all? Mm-hmm. And that's the only question you got to ask, really, in terms of uh, going after a player like that. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit more on the other side because we'll get into how the Canucks can make their team better. But also, not just about how they can make the team better. What type of assets does this team have? Assets that you don't want to get rid of? Assets you want to hold on to? And what are you comfortable with, perhaps, parting to make this team better? We'll discuss that and more. But before we get out, it's time to do a little bit of a contest. The Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada is taking place on January 17th to the 20th in Victoria, BC. 32 Thoughts will be there recording a live show on the Wicked Hall in downtown Victoria on Thursday, January 18th. The show starts at 2 p.m. and guests expected to join Jeff and Elliot include Kevin Bieksa, Brian Burke, and other alumni, plus the Stanley Cup. The only way to attend is to win your way in, and we're giving away tickets all week. You can do so by calling in. What caller should should we give it to this time? I mean, we did 53 once. I don't know mm-hmm. if I want to put that, that on the crazy. guys. Yeah, no, that's, that's a lot. We did 32 last time because of 32 Thoughts podcast. Right. This also seemed pretty aggressive. Well, Juice is going to be there. Is that? That's two. That's so three. Three? What was Kevin BX's first number when he came into it, the it, NHL? It was like 20, 25, I think it was. It was 25, wasn't it? I think it was 25. So, okay. Five seems just a little too easy. I want to get, I want to make it a little All bit right. more difficult. Can you guys handle 25? Is that, is that too many? All right. All right. Let's do caller 25, 25. to win your way in. 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. Be caller 25 and you get a pair of tickets to go watch Elliot and Jeff Merrick with 32 Thoughts on location in Victoria. All right. A lot more coming up on the Home of Your Canucks. Sportsnet 650.
Back in on Canuck Central, coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Satyar Shah with Bik Nizar on Sportsnet 650. And this hour of Connect Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. A lot of thoughts coming into our text inbox, Dunbar Lumber 650-650. We'll hit those coming up in just a few moments. Didn't even look. Just a walls of text coming in here. Tons of text messages. Uh, before we get into that and uh, what's happening with the Vancouver Canucks, or what, what could happen with the Vancouver Canucks the rest of the season, the winner to the Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada, Canada 32 Thoughts event is Brad. Congra- congratulations to Brad. Your Shout next, out. Uh, your next chance to win is going to be tomorrow morning with Halford and Bruff, and we'll give you another chance again and tomorrow as well. And for those texting and asking for us to uh, give them tickets, we, we can't. We have to do it legitimately. Um it's, it's illegal for us to show preferential treatment, like literally illegal. So can't do that, unfortunately. Two chances as well on the people show tomorrow. Yeah. So you get a chance there. And uh, hopefully you can get your wish come true. All right. Uh, what's the Canucks wish list heading into the trade deadline? I think that's a uh, topic mm-hmm. we have uh, discussed quite thoroughly. I think we all agree. Well, uh, you know, first, the other uh, perspective is I know you guys were talking yesterday on the show about, you know, interrupting chemistry and everything like that. Well, Dan was more concerned. Larry about the that. Fixer. Who says the Canucks have to add anything to the roster to be a legit contender? Mm. They've already proven they can go toe to toe with anyone. They have earned what they have accomplished as a team. They all deserve a chance to be part of their run in the playoffs. I mean, it's a fair take. It's mm-hmm. not an unfair take. I don't know if the Canucks have shown they can play against everyone because. They haven't shown they can really play with Colorado and Vegas yet. Mm-hmm. And not to say they won't be able to show that, but it's one of those things like, okay, like uh, I really do, I do look forward to watching those teams play. Yeah. Especially ahead of the deadline. I mean, the one game we've seen against Vegas. Vegas was six. Well, I mean, Vegas may have played their best game all season against Yeah, Vancouver. but hey, you're, you're going to have to play your best games yeah. come playoff times. Teams play their best games come playoff times, and they pushed them around and made it look easy. Yeah, so for me to say, oh, they can beat anybody, I still want to see a little bit. And listen, the playoffs and regular season are a different game, but you can get a good sense of what areas a team can exploit in you and what areas you can exploit against a team and how you stack up mm-hmm. matchup-wise. And that's how you can get a sense uh, watching teams go head-to-head in the regular season. But I understand the point Larry's making, that they don't necessarily have to do anything. Mm-hmm. But even teams that don't have to do anything usually usually do something. You can you can make the case that Vancouver shouldn't trade anybody off the roster or look to add. But the problem is, if you're looking to add, because of the salary cap, it has to be money in and money out. Like There's no way for you to be able to add somebody without somebody going back the other way. And it can't just be a prospect or a draft pick. So ultimately, if the Canucks are making some sort of a trade, at some point, a player has to go out of the roster. And I think the way we're trying to look at this and get your thoughts in, and we'll hit some of your, more of your texts as, as this goes on, 650-650 Dunbar Lumber. The first thing to, I think, established is what are you willing to part with and yeah. how far are you are you willing to go? Because we can sit here and talk about Joel Erickson Eck and, you know, that's I, it, what somebody says and all these sort of things. I think we're always greedy in these conversations because we're like, what's coming in? Yeah, and, and then it's like, Look, there's people that are saying, like, okay, go get defense, go get center, go yeah. get a winger, right? It's a lot of different pieces. So what are you willing to send out? And if you if you do, like, the organizational audit and really honestly look at, like, okay, what are you actually prepared to send out? Because maybe you're prepared to do a lot. 
and you can accomplish all the different buckets of what they need to do. Or maybe you're actually prepared to only do a little bit. Right. And if you frame it in your head of like, okay, what are you actually willing to send out? Maybe you don't want to do a whole lot. Well, and, and that's that's the thing. So let's start with draft picks. What are you willing to trade draft pick wise? You know the meme, the Michael Jordan meme, <laughs> like <laughs> something, something on them picks. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I'm low key, I'd be okay. I'm not too afraid of trading draft picks either at this stage. And the the only thing I'm afraid of doing, I'll make this very clear, is trading away a future unprotected first. Okay, how future? Like, uh, so unprotected first next year, fully unprotected. I'm reluctant yeah. to do. And even beyond, like I'm, I'm not giving you an unprotected pick two years from now. Two years from now, so many things can happen. 2026, definitely not. So many things are happening, yes. but, but could happen by 2026 that I'm not touching. Right? I'm not giving anybody an unprotected first round draft pick. This year, I would, sure. Yeah, 2024 for of certainly. course, like whatever. But I'm not giving an unprotected first round pick. That's that's the one thing I'm not doing with the firsts. If it's pending the type of player, there's always a player I would I, yeah. would, I would I would change that for yes. But, but it wouldn't be like the usual that guys. That would be we'd the be scenario about. I would entertain twenty twenty five. But it's not like for the Jake Gensels. Like it's not like for guys like that rentals. Like that's not what I'm. If, trading I, if that I knew I was for. getting Gensel signed, but yeah, but he's thirty. I mean, how comfortable no, I are you I know. giving him a huge it, contract? It's probably not, you're right. It's probably not that guy. Yeah, but like I know, I know Erickson X name has been mentioned. Would um, you do that for him? I'd be more first. interested. You know, I've mentioned, you know, like a Casey Middlestat. I'd be, you know. Unprotected first? I'd be into it. So would you do, like, so the JT Miller trade, the Canucks gave up a, it was like, it was top 10 protected yeah. essentially, right? Right. No, but then the next year yeah. it was, um, so you could do it that way. Where yeah, you just to be clear. The it's road. like, you probably don't need to for some of these guys we're talking about. Yes. You, you probably could do like a top. 10 protected and get away with it like that's and, and okay get away with so it, without but. getting stuck on that too much that that's where i'm at yeah. i don't want to trade away unprotected first round draft picks but trading away this year's first sure other draft picks sure i think we both agree with that it, let's let's go through the obvious clearly Pedersen, jt miller quinn hughes thatcher demko like these guys obviously those four done 100 percent. brock besser offseason Yes. So maybe not expendable today, but could be expendable. So as for the purposes of our conversation this season, yeah. he's on the list of not going anywhere. Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, probably offseason. Probably offseason, right? It's unfortunate because I still don't think we've seen the best of Ilya Mikheyev yeah. in Vancouver. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, Dakota Joshua, Teddy Bluger, Connor Gross, the whole line. Offseason. Offseason, right? Yeah. Uh, Lafferty. I'd listen. I would say off season. That's the kind of guy you need in the playoffs. Right handed right. guy yeah, yeah, can take right. face offs. I'd say off season, but no off season. But I mean, the, he's honestly, free the, agent. the role I like thought we'd see from Sam Lafferty would play down the middle, and that hasn't materialized. No, but then you also need the depth. But he also play, can play wing. Yeah, he takes face offs still. So uh, he's the type of piece you go and trade for at the deadline usually. So don't trade him away. That's that's how I would view him. Right. That leaves us Andre Kuzmenko. Of the forward ranks, so we just went through. We went through pretty much everybody. Yeah. I haven't done. There are two other guys I have to do. Okay, but okay, Kuzmenko. Kuzmenko. I mean, I, I would listen. Listen, right? Niels Olman probably not going anywhere, yeah. so you can just dismiss that. Hoaglander. I would listen. Same. I would listen. So those are two forwards off the forward group. Oh, the, the, Kuzmenko that are actually Hoagland. playing. They are playing, right? That you would consider listen to, right? On the back end, we mentioned Hughes, Hronik. 
off season. Don't off even bother. Season. Off season. Off season. I, I'd, I'd have contract. to be like blown away. Yes, but off season because yeah. he's RFA. You don't know what his situation is like. But if you were blown away, yeah, Cole. Oh, off season. Right. Uh, Juleson. Off season because he's so cheap, right? Depth yeah. defenseman, right? Right. He's for another year. Yeah, like so cheap. Uh, Susie. He's oh, not he's, he's, not, he's going not going anywhere. anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Zadorov and Myers. I would listen. Right. So when we're talking about pieces on the Canucks, it's like Kuzmenko, Hoaglander, Zadorov, Myers. I mean, how likely is it even that one of the guys in the back can even go anywhere? Well, I mean, Rick Tocca was even just talking about today the guys with size. Yeah. They uh, love having these yeah, guys they there. Just love having them. And now, if you're adding a tan of type, you have to make money somewhere. And, and I'm not even saying that's going to happen, but I'm just saying there's no way outside of you're doing Kuzmenko for Tanev or something, and then you can have, like, you know, eight defensemen who deserve to play mm-hmm. and have the depth that you really want to have. There are ways of doing that, potentially. But if you still want to add a forward, there has to be money in and money out. Because the reality is, if the Canucks are adding a top six forward, if they're adding a top four defenseman, they're going to have to trade at least one of Zadorov, Myers, Kuzmenko. Hoagland only makes a million, so even him, like, he doesn't really move the needle that much cap space-wise. But without moving Kuzmenko, Zadorov, Myers, you're not really able to make any real additions unless somebody goes on LTIR. It, it, it's really just, like, the the flexibility you gain from the money going out, it's really it. Um, do these guys strike you as overwhelmingly bringing in the money or the, the, the quality of player or the quality of asset that, that is going to get you the thing that you need to, to improve? Like, Myers going out probably gets you something decent, and, now you, like, you, you're doing the thing. Of, I know you and uh, Reach have been talking about this, 4D chess or 3D right, chess. Right, right. It's, it's like some, yeah, some work I, here. I wouldn't put it past them. But then you start cutting it down to the prospects, and you start looking at it and saying, okay, how deep are we going to go into this? Right. So the prospects, there's really, for me, just two guys I wouldn't move. And, and again, like I'm not saying this is just talk about we'll talk yeah. about what you would move them for in a second. But just in terms of what you would move, two guys. I'm not touching the Karamaki and I'm not touching Willander. And I don't think you have to trade those guys necessarily. Like if, you, if you're talking about like even Gensel, you don't have to trade. You no, for no rental, do you have to trade a player of that caliber? Mm-hmm. Rentals tend to go for a lot cheaper than yeah. we. I see. I feel like we forget this every February. Yeah, and it's everybody overrates it. It's yeah. like no. Unless, like, who's the most expensive rental here recently? I feel like Lindholm was a lot, but even that, like, Lindholm was... No, uh, Lindholm was under contract. I mean, Bohorvac... No, 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 he signed a a contract right away, right? Yeah, I think he was RFA or something. Yeah, I I guess, yeah, 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 Horvat. Horvat would probably be the one. And the Canucks got... They had to take on Bavillier's contract, which Mm -hmm. they flipped and got a pick out of, obviously. But they got Ratu. I mean, would I be open to trading Ratu? Right? Depends on the... Again, I said Lekaramaki and Willander. Mm -hmm. So, and even then... Like, the one I would concede on would be LeCaramacchi. Mm. Yeah, I suppose. Like, I'm not touching Willander 100%. Yeah. Like, you need a righty defenseman coming up at some point. It's such a high draft pick, and I'm not touching him either. And again, pending, like, don't start blogging here. Um, pending, like, what we're talking about. If, if it's somebody crazy, like, I'm not doing it for Jake Kensel. Yeah. But if it's something that, like, you didn't believe was possible. Like, Corona came out of nowhere last year. If there was a out of nowhere, I didn't even think this guy was available type trade, then okay, like I, I'm not that worried about uh, a future winger versus someone that's going to help you. That's like credible right. player. No, okay, that if, can if be here longer yeah, term. If it's okay. a D man, that's like the, the positional like, value just matters like, so much. I was joking with you, like yeah, if, if you're able to get Kirill Kaprizov, then I don't care. Sure, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah like, like like that's what we're talking <laughs> sure, about. Sure, that's what right. We're but 
barring that type of player becoming available, yeah. right? Um, then, then no, I wouldn't touch you know those two guys specifically. Uh, this text says, "You guys are so scared of losing. What a loser mentality. A winner's mentality says every one of our first round picks is thirty second overall." <laughs> You know, I, I love that. I, I love, love it. That. But it's just you also have to be rooted in some reality. Yeah. Like even for instance, like the 2011 Canucks, that pre- the previous the the offseason traded away a first round pick and uh, some prospects and players to go out and get Ballard and they signed Hamus and everything. At the trade deadline, they did not trade a first round pick. So even a team that was all in, there's a level of okay. There's certain things we don't do unless. No, we have to. So you can't just look at it as trade all the picks. Who cares? They'll be thirty second. There has to be some level of mitigation at some point. But. As we mentioned, you can talk me into pretty much anything depending on who the player is. And ultimately, I think that's a discussion where the discussion goes for, for all the things the Canucks have and don't have. Off the main roster-wise, like there aren't that many candidates. Like somebody says Garland, and we knew what was going on with him. But given he has term left on his deal, like how likely is it that he's a guy that gets moved? You know what I mean? Like I, I, just, don't, I just don't know if that's something that you look at during the season, and especially with how well he's played with that line right now, off-season, sure, let's yeah. have that discussion, right? But now, I'm just not sure. So it comes down to how does Kuzmenko fit in here? And and if he's not going to be a fit, and you're looking to move some other assets, you can do what the, what the Canucks got the benefit of, which was trade a draft pick, trade a prospect, and trade Kuzmenko, and go out and get a player, whether it's that's um, somebody with term. You mentioned middle stat. What if it's somebody like Nick Cash I mentioned, whomever? Mm-hmm. I'm not so big on the rentals to do that for. But, I mean, Jake Gensel's name's been out there. I'm skeptical on Jake Gensel, by the way, Vic. Like, I'm, I'm just very skeptical about... Well, we were just talking to Colby, and he's like, the, the, the noise in Pittsburgh feels like a, like, a lot less yeah. than it feels elsewhere. Well, exactly. And, he, like, again, it's a team that's went out and put in for Riley Smith and Eric Carlson this summer. So, 40 games into their experiment, they're like, you know what? Maybe this hasn't worked. Like, I... I I look at this and I say Pittsburgh is, uh, unless there are seven points out of the playoff line by the deadline, they're not going to try with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, and, and given everything, they, that that's the guy they're going to let go after bringing everybody else in, mm-hmm. signing Jari and that. I'm skeptical about. And then the other thing is, I'm also skeptical about Vancouver going out and spending the capital it would take to go and get Gensel. As much as... A rental. A, yeah. a rental. Yeah. And then even if the argument is, well, you can keep him, he's 30 still. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And... And, and I thought uh, we were talking to Josh Yo yesterday. He made a good point too. Uh, like he's he can play physical, but he's five eleven, kind of skinny. Like he's not the type of you know gritty two way forward you're looking for. He can score a lot. He can be gritty, but he also doesn't quite fit the profile of like the type of wing. I will say he though, needs, but one of the things that Jake Ansel has done really well in the last couple of years, I believe he's second in tips and deflections. Yeah, he's very good at doing that. La- yes. If you if you compile the last two seasons. He's behind Joe Pavelski because everyone's behind Joe Pavelski. Yeah. Uh, and Kreider. It's Kreider, Gensel, and, and Pavelski are like the top three the last two seasons. Yeah. And he's really good at, at scoring like that. One problem that they've had is net front on the power play. Yeah. Now they've changed the dynamics of it, obviously, but like Kuzmenko is not getting as much. You know, opportunities tipping the puck. No, it's true. Is Gensel just naturally better at it? Now, you, you want to form the argument as a rental. I, I just still. I just don't quite know how it would work, considering the contract he's looking to demand. Yeah, no, too. You know what I mean? We talked about this with Tanev, even. We talked about this with other rentals. I I think it's it's the 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 benefit is go spend something that's younger that you have service years on, and you can if come summertime, you can compound it with okay. Now we can go get this rental. It's Mm -hmm. like a bonus feature, right? Spending the the premium assets you have to get someone that you might be able to get in the summer 
for where this team is right now. Okay, for just for where they are, this is their first year of like, okay, they're competing again, and they were de- they were depleted of assets from the previous regime. Yeah, so they're in that kind of like rebuilding up stage, and if you can get a bit more solidity in the pro ranks of okay, now we're getting some service years as some players, and then go in the summer and say, hey, now now, now we pair it with someone that we we like, but yeah. we we can extend our competing window. Mm-hmm. that way of, yeah. of, of kind of doing two transactions rather than just the one yeah and i think that's a creative way of, of doing so and, and making things work um and, and and people are saying like what if they make it a condition of, of re-signing Gensel and all that um, well you can't do that anymore. you can't do, yeah. do it anymore they've changed the conditions um you can do conditions for success in the playoffs those things you can still do for but not in terms of whether a player stays or doesn't stay krista courier crosby I, I see that's come up a lot. It's, it's just, it's not realistic. It's not realistic. It's not realistic. I, you know? I love it, but trust it's, me, it's, it's not realistic. Believe me, I, it's and, not realistic. And calling from Caribou, texting, uh, uh, texting in, no to Atu Ratu. I, again, I really like Atu Ratu too. And like in my mind, like there's a future third line center there. I know you disagree. He's been playing wing more, obviously. I'm, saying he, I'm just saying I'm not yeah. sold on him being a center yet. I, like, bare minimum to me, I feel like there's a third line center there. Mm-hmm. Maybe something even better. But I like him a lot too. I'm not if you're if you're telling me I'm getting five years out of someone that let's say if you could get Joel Eriksonek by like yeah. immediately. That's what you're talking about. Because you, you know you're getting it. So Eric's 26, next... 26 years old, and he still has like six years left on his contract at like five point seven five or five point two five. Like if it's you, a very very friendly. If you're number. telling me I can move a prospect for f- at least five years of a, a real NHL player that fits in this window. Immediately, you cash in on those. Yeah, it's only for somebody long term. Like I'm not, you know. So if I'm moving a guy like him, it's doing something that that fits here, right? And I think that's where I'm at on that one too. KG from White Rock brings up Kevin Hayes, retained. He's got such. He's he's an easy to trade for contract. Mm -hmm. He is like because he's already at fifty percent retained with the Blues. If the Blues retain another fifty percent on Kevin Hayes, then all of a sudden he's making what like two million or something on the cap. My my worry with Kevin Hayes is. Is does he score enough? And well, yeah, so, he, he's. I think he's a third line. He has two more years after this. It would yeah. be at one point seven five if they retain half. Sure, third line center. But we, we're we're making these conversations about second line center, right? Right. And I, I think people are making these ideas of with Kuzmenko on the roster, right? So let's sort of, you know put that caveat out there that you might, he might have to go out in a money in for money out. But let's say Kuzmenko's here, okay? The 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 spot people are looking at and say Kuzmenko and McKay, if you need a center there. You need a center that's going to shoot the puck then on mm-hmm. that line, because who's shooting on that line? Right. And so it changes the profile now, because Michael goes out in a money trade. You you have to make two decisions now. You need to go get a another scoring winger or now whatever center you get. So like you have to think about that reality. If you're just trying to pick, put someone in between McKayev and Kuzmenko right now, who's scoring on that line? Like, well, who's actually putting the puck in? Well, no, and and I think ultimately, as much as we're talking about the lotto line being together, are they going to be together? Because if Patterson goes down, then, you know, I, I mentioned his name before, Buchnevich. Mm-hmm. He could be available. Like, if I'm looking at, at the Blues, he has one more year left after this. Now, I'm not trading the farm for him, but he was acquired for a few draft picks. I'm not even sure you have to trade one of your best prospects for a player who has one more year left and is a winger. And he's, a t- he's a high-end winger, but he's not a top-tier winger. I, I, I don't know if I still like that fit of, of Buchnevich with, like, a Patterson. I, I don't know if he scores enough. Like, if, if he's the natural... Right. 
goal scorer you want with Elias Pettersson. We'll see ultimately what the Canucks get up to. Um, But yeah, just going through what you might be willing to part with and what you may have to part with and where the Canucks find themselves as a team. Now, we'll get to the pregame show. That's coming up next. Canucks and Penguins at Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar on Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.